0: The text then that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is the account of Palm Sunday as recorded in St. John, and especially these words. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Daniel Defoe, an Englishman famous for writing the book Robinson Crusoe, once wrote these poetic words about what men who become kings often forget. When kings, the sword of justice, first lay down, they are no kings, though they possess the crown. Titles are shadows, crowns are empty things, the good of subjects. Is the end of kings. As you see, when men become kings, they often forget the reason that they are given their crowns is to benefit those who are under their care. The Israelites of old knew this tendency all too well. No doubt a good number of men during the history of Israel got to bear that title of king. They had a crown placed upon their head. But just as Defoe would write many years later, when any of those men decided to lay down the sword of justice to put aside righteousness, well, it was then during their reign that they proved they were no king at all. Their title was a shadow and their crown was empty. They forgot that a true king was there for the good of of his subjects. Oh, I don't doubt that in those days of old there were many men who dreamed of being king, hoping that they could change life for their countrymen. And yet it seems that more often than not, once they got there, the plush layers of the throne seemed to make them forget the struggles of their brothers. The reflection of the sun off the jewels in their crowns blinded them to the plight of their subjects. Oh yes, they had desired to have that throne in order that they might help others, but in the end ended up using it mostly to make their life easy and their reputation strong. God is well aware of this tendency of men who are given power. After all, every man who has ever been the object of a coronation carried with them also the sinful flesh that they inherited from Adam. Therefore, God knew and told the people that kings would pluck mother's sons out of their homes and send them to die in battle. They would take daughters from their father's homes to ensure that their life in their castle was sublime. They would take money and goods from everyone in order to pursue their interests and build their reputation. They would forget that the good of subjects is to be the end of kings. That is why God mourned so greatly when the people of old demanded an earthly king to sit on a throne in Jerusalem. He knew that in doing so they were choosing an imperfect king one given to selfishness in place of him whose reign had always been about the good of his subjects. He told Samuel plainly in the day that they demanded a king, they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me. Well, there were a few kings who reigned over Israel who largely remembered why they had been given the authority that they had But even the greatest failed in critical moments. We're told David sought to serve the people with a heart like God's, but then all of a sudden turned his title as king into a shadow when lust caused him to rob a poor man first of his wife and then of his life. Solomon sought to give the people just what they needed most, a place, a temple, in order to meet with God and receive his gifts. And yet, when his foreign wives whispered sweetly into his ears, he allowed idolatry to flourish in the land. Yes, even the best of kings in the time of Israel would from time to time put down the sword of justice, would forget about righteousness. They would forget the very reason God had given them power in the first place. Yes, humans so often who are given authority, end up abusing that authority. That's why I suppose most of us are a little suspicious of those with authority, for we know this trend as well. We know that those who have power are always tempted to use it for their own good. Yes, the kings of old did this, and I suppose it's no surprise to any of you that the rulers in our government in our day often end up doing the same thing. While they're supposed to rule for the benefit of the people they have been given watch over, many times they rule at the expense of the people instead. But you know, in God's order, there are not only kings in government. What I mean is that God has ordered his world in such a way that in almost any relationship, one person has been given authority by God and the other has been placed under that authority. Husbands, for instance, in the Bible are given authority over their families, but they're given that in order to provide and protect and love them. However, the temptation always exists to try to use their position of authority to craft the home in the perfect way for them, rather than for their wife and children. Yes, often, in pursuit of their desires, the home can suffer. Parents can simply think of children as tools to make their life easier or their work a little less stressful. Bosses at work can try to squeeze out every last bit of productivity and creativity from their employees without ever once thinking what that might do to them or their families. Pastors can try to create their dream congregation by force, rather than trying to order their congregation around the needs of the souls entrusted to them. Yes, anyone made a king by God has been given that authority for the purpose of serving those who are under their care. But it doesn't always work that way. What about you? Do you use the authority you have been given in different spheres of life, always for the good of others? Or when you have some power, is that temptation awful strong to try to use it to create exactly what you would, you want instead? You see, there's only one person that handles authority perfectly, and he has been king from the beginning. The authority he has was not given to him by someone else. The authority he has is his by his very nature, He is a king not by coronation, but by creation. Yes, he has absolute power. But blessedly, with him, the old idiom does not run true. Absolute power with him does not corrupt absolutely. Much to the contrary, his absolute power is the very way in which he makes sure the good of his subjects is secured. This king, God himself, never puts down the sword of justice. His title is never a shadow, but rather is the sun that creates all shadows. His crown is not empty, but is filled with all the radiance of his glory. He always uses his authority for the good of others, for their temporal and eternal good, for our temporal and eternal good. Oh yes, the people of God for a time rejected his good rule, in the favor of having an earthly king in Jerusalem. God in his mercy sought through the prophets to remind those kings of why they had been given that authority in the first place, that they were to serve the people under their care. But one after another failed to remember this. They failed so greatly that this great longed for promise of land where they could live turned into something more of a nightmare. And that nightmare ended when they were exiled out of the land. You see, for a long time, it seemed as if the title of king among the people of God was simply left unfilled. For after all, they had rejected their true king, and the earthly kings had made their title and crowns empty and meaningless. To the simple appearance, it seemed as if the people of God remained without a king for year after year. And then one day, a man rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. No, not just a man, a king. The crowds around him got it just right. They cried out, Hosanna, blessed is the one coming in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Yes, it was just as the prophet of old had said, the king of Israel was coming to his people riding on a donkey. You know, on Palm Sunday, the people did not get a new king. Instead, they got back the king they had already had, and the only king they had ever needed. They received back as king God himself, this time wrapped in human flesh, They got the king who would hold on to the sword of justice even while being punched and whipped and crucified. They got the king who took the wrath of God over sin upon himself in order that the people of God might not have to endure such wrath. All other kings lay down the sword of justice at least at times, but not Jesus. He grips it with his nail-scarred hands. All other kings at times turn their titles into shadows, but not Jesus. The title that hangs above his head is true. He is Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. All other kings turn their crowns into empty things, but not Jesus. Though his crown is made of thorns, it is stained with the blood of our salvation. When the king of old takes back his throne, the seed of salvation in the ground is sown. Residents of heaven and earth begin to sing. Truly, the good of subjects is the end of this king. Hosanna, blessed is the one coming in the name of the Lord, the king of Israel. He has come for the good of his subjects. He has come for you and for me to rid us of our sins and to give us eternal life. Soon we will watch as he dies and then rises for us and our salvation. Praise be to our King forever. Amen.